Listening Dog Media. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care, and we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption in logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com insights. World Premier Plays, exclusive to the pod play. Good evening. My name is Morning Glory and I began my life on the Great Plains of Dakota with my brothers and sisters of the Lakota Sioux Tribe. Come with me now as we travel across the Great Ocean with Buffalo Bill's Wild West Circus to a dirty old town. I shall be your spirit guide as we hear about the fates of three of my warrior brothers in that place by the Great River Irwell and a man called Buffalo Bill where black clouds drifted across the moon and cats were prowling on their beat. But not all journeys start at the beginning. Let us return to just a few years back to 2007, to a place of blackened grey skies and a bitter, frightful cold that cuts through your skin like a hunting knife. Salford. It's a miserable, rain-soaked, murky winter's Monday morning on the banks of the River Airwell. A slime canal crossing that separates those two great cities of Manchester and Salford. A small army of construction workers and digging machines are busy laying the foundations for what will eventually be Media City, the new home of the BBC. Hard at work amongst them is 22-year-old Billy Hardy, a local lad born and bred. Alongside him is best mate Tommy McCall, the same age. Billy and Tommy have been inseparable since primary school. Armed with shovels, they're down a ditch digging away when suddenly Billy, glancing down, notices something amidst the stone that's gravel. He leaves to pick it up and finds what appears to be some kind of tool. Billy cleans off the mud and is stuck to find that it's, it isn't an old hammer or chisel. He smiles and taps Tommy, who's oblivious to what's happening and still working away. Hi, Tommy. Come and have a look at this. Tommy stops, wipes his brow and takes it off Billy. Looks like a tomahawk, mate. A what? A tomahawk. Are you deaf? You know, cowboys and Indians, John Wayne stuff. I laugh and Tommy pretends to attack his friend with it. Oh, you piss off you, it's bloody sharp. Tommy takes a closer look at this beautifully crafted piece of work. On it are amazing, delicate carvings of the moon and sun. Billy, what the hell is it doing here? Uh, your guess is as good as mine, mate. Both stare at the tomahawk. wonder if it was used to scalp anyone. Some poor cowpoke out on the wild plains. One minute sat eating his beans under the stars the next. <laughs> what? Red Indians in Salford? Behave yourself, lad. 
I know we've got plenty of cowboys around here, but Indians, oh, oh, it would have belonged to a, an antiques dealer, a travelling salesman, a theatre prop. But a red Indian? <laughs> Only reds around here, across the water there, mate, at Old Trafford. Billy feels the still blood-curdling sharpness of its edges, his mind racing with images of hollering red Indians thundering across the wide-open American plains splendid in war paint with spears and rifles raised. Oi, Dreamer! Tommy knows how much Billy loves to let his imagination run wild. What? Tommy clutches tight on the tomahawk and prowls around hollering like a red Indian. <laughs> Stop pissing about and give it here before one of the supervisors see you. Probably find a bloody teepee next. Billy stares one last time at the tomahawk. Where did you come from, pal? Eh? Not from round here, that's for sure. Come on, then. What's your story, Morning Glory? Here in the time of the coronavirus, enter with me now into the banks of the old canal where waiting are 46-year-old Black Elk, 27-year-old Charging Thunder, 22-year-old Surrounded by the Enemy, and finally... 40-year-old William Frederick Cody. All are in self-isolation in their teepees, including Buffalo Bill, who's in the guest one. Now they will try and tell their tale through the magic of Skype. My name is Black Elk. What is this man's magic? And I'm Tarjan Funder, and I'm looking at myself. Hello, everybody. I'm surrounded by the enemy, and this is well cool. <laughs> And I am William Frederick Cody. Do you like the hat? But I believe you will all know me better as Buffalo Bill. Bill takes off his hat and bows, whilst the other suits scowl and mutter in his direction. Surrounded by the enemy gives him the finger. Steady on now, gentlemen. Put those scowls, mutterings, bows, arrows and tomahawks away. And remember who paid your wage back then. A hugely generous $50 a year. I'm surprised I can get your head in that small screen. <laughs> On with the story. It was back in the terrible winter of November 1887 where we watched from the steamship your White Cliffs of Dover first come into sight and arrived on this strange, cold, smoky ridden island you all call England. We travelled over the Great Sea from New York City with the boss here, Buffalo Bill's Wild West Circus. He scouted for the United States Army and also hunted many, many buffalo to not just feed their soldiers, but for sports also. It said that you slaughtered over 3,000. Is this true? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's true. But closer to 4,000, I'd say. 4,000 buffalo? Well, you were a lucky man then, for sadly it didn't do to scalp your boss. Bad for business. So we let you be, for now. Buffalo Bill stares rather worryingly at charging thunder, while surrounded by the enemy is seen sharpening his tomahawk with a knife. He puts it to the screen. Look what turned up again today. From New York City, Staten Island, we boarded the state of Nebraska steamship for London, England. It was a sight to behold. The finest wagon train the Wild West had ever seen took sail on the ocean sea. That great blue yonder. 
Cowboys, Rough Riders, Sioux Warriors, Stagecoaches, our full entourage, 83 saloon passengers, 38 steerage passengers, 97 Indians, 180 horses, 18 buffalo, 10 elk, 5 Texan steers, 4 donkeys, and 2 deer. And last, but never least, me, the legendary Buffalo Bill. Don't forget the fire water, boss, and the many pretty squaws and cowgirls. Ah, uh, ladies, man, eh, young man? <laughs> I take it you never chance to charms on Annie Oakley or Calamity Jane. Are you serious? I'm not crazy, man. No chance. Stayed well away from those two. The one they called Annie Oakley could shoot my spit out of the air from a hundred paces whilst Calamity Jane? <laughs> well, my name is surrounded by the enemy and not Crazy Horse. For many of us, there was little choice but to join Buffalo Bill Circus. For we had fought at the Battle of the Little Bighorn two years earlier, defeating the one they called Yellow Hair and his 7th Cavalry. Oh, allow me to give him his full deserved title, the heroic <laughs> General George Armstrong Custer. Yeah, him. Yellow Hair. I still have some somewhere. <laughs> me too. The great white chief, Ulysses S. Grant, never forgave us for our great victory and orders his US government agent to hunt us down one by one. So, with little choice, we took up with Buffalo Bill here to find refuge far from their justice and save our necks from the gallows. Is it known which one of our brave warriors actually killed Yellow Hair? I've heard so many stories, so many names. I did. I did. Both stare annoyingly at each other. Oh, I see. Touchy subject. Oh, look at me. I am so handsome. <laughs> I'm surprised you can get your head through your teeth, piece around me by the enemy. Yeah. Uh, your, your 4,000 buffalo was also a touchy subject, Buffalo Bill. <laughs> so it appears. <clears throat> anyway, when I first caught sight of those white cliffs at Dover, my heart skipped a beat. Not since P.T. Barnum had paraded General Tom Thumb around the sitting rooms of British aristocracy had there been any other American show in England to compare with us. We put on a command performance for the royal family. The esteemed audience also included royalty from all over Europe, including the future Kaiser Wilhelm II and the future King George V. It was an outstanding success. Our Wild West show. My show, Buffalo Bill's show. <laughs> I remember it well. The show took place at Earl's Court. Several times your Queen Victoria was present, as well as other big English chiefs, called the Prince of Princes of Wales. Queen Victoria, or, Grim or Grandmother England, as we called her, was a fine woman. She would have made a good sea wife. And, and... She really liked me. Wives <clears throat> oh. in thunder and surrounded by the enemy glare at him in bemusement. The English dress so strange. The men with the huge black top hats and women with long dresses that covered the earth. Like walking teepees. I always wondered what lay underneath them. Mm, not much. I didn't <laughs> do so much isolating back then, let me tell you. Oh, behave. There was never any daylight, as we remembered from home. Just a thick, hazy mist that reached into the black skies that had captured the English sun. 
No smiles in London town. The face is grey and miserable to match the weather. Oh, there was also the one known as John the Kicker, who killed women in such a brutal way the English police suspected our people. They're thinking that the murderer had to be a savage and could never be an English gentleman. You mean Jack the Ripper surrounded by the enemy, not John the Kicker? Oh, uh, yeah, that's him. <laughs> Black Elk and Charging Thunder shake their heads. It was also around this time that someone told me of that great painter Vincent van Gogh had just cut off his own ear. I'm surprised we weren't blamed for that as well. After six months in the big town, we packed up and prepared to head north on an iron horse that had steam pouring from its head. Watching through the windows, we saw many huge chimneys spewing out black smoke that floated off in billowing clouds. Finally, after coming all the way from the American Wild West, we ended up in the wild northwest of England. In a dirty old town called Salford. <laughs> Salford. We pitched our teepees on the muddy banks of a river there called Irwell. Its waters, like everything else in this country, black and lifeless, with coloured rainbow mist rising from its murky depth. I swear, the only fish that swam in there would have been ghost. We lost a rider in there. He fell in drunk, came out sober, dead, and green-coloured. <laughs> a little like me after this isolation is over. But it was a poison river. A cursed river. Maybe so. But the people, the men in their cloth cap hats and the women in their ragged gowns, dated faces, but friendly. They lived only an arrow shot away in rows of small terraced houses that stretched as far as the eye could see. At night, they were lit by street lamps, a thousand lights. That was my favourite time. I would walk along the canal and gaze into the sky looking for the moon. I'd hear sirens from the docks. I'd see an iron horse racing by, setting the night on fire. But I missed. So missed our home. When it came to performing, there'd be a show every day. And the cheers of the people of Salford and those across the river in Manchester deafened our ears. <laughs> They came in their many thousands to an outdoor arena that we had helped to build. $50 a year? What did you expect? I was paying you good money. Yeah, and every show was packed. People roared with joy. They laughed and clapped till their hands hurt. There would be gunslinging scenes with cowboys whilst the Lakota chased the stagecoaches, hanging off our horses, waving our rifles, hollering and whooping. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I have to admit... I preferred the real thing. Never the same without a scout to show for it. <sighs> you can take the Sioux out of the Wild West. Surrounded by the enemy points to a tomahawk in his belt. It's the same one Tom and Billy found on the building site. Black Elk, Charging Thunder, and Buffalo Bill stare at him. I'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> Tell them about your party piece, Black Elk. No... Yeah, go on, tell him, Black Elk. It was truly a thing of wonder. Come on now, Black Elk. You love the crowds, the adulations. Speak up. Very well. <laughs> Whilst the warrior stood in the middle of the horses with a whip to make them rear up, I would ride them bareback doing handstands, jumping from horse to horse. The crowds would go mad. And when I finished, they would demand I do the act again and again and again. I tried it once and almost broke my back. 
Uh, no surprise there. That's because you are a dumb bear. Were you drunk at the time? Probably. Our great creator, Wacken Tanker, was surely on the Chinooper peace pipe when he created you, my young friend. Oh, thank you, Charging Thunder. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a compliment, boy. None of the English horses could ever beat our Broncos. We would race against their finest thoroughbreds over a 10-mile course and win with hundreds of yards to spare. And when not performing, we discovered something that the people of the dirty old town called a pub. <laughs> you discovered it, more like. I'd seen something similar back home called Saloons. They were full of drunken cowpokes drinking bad whiskey, playing cards and shooting each other under the table. Well, that happened rarely in Salford. I did see knife and fist bites so vicious they would curdle your blood. Mostly, though, the pubs were the places where the Salford men would gather to drink away their troubles or get away from their women. <laughs> you spent more time in the pubs than in your teepee. Do you blame me? I loved the Salford firewater. Wait a minute. What's happening? My, my face has just disappeared off the screen. <laughs> my prayers have been answered. No, no, I'm serious. I have gone. Has my soul been stolen by evil devils? No, young fool. Just press return. <laughs> yes! Yes! I'm alive. I'm back. <laughs> oh, you handsome devil, you. Okay. They say the youth know about these things, not our dumb bear. You talked about the firewater, but your problem was that you loved their women more. And they loved my tomahawk. <laughs> Even today, I wonder... How many sons and daughters of Salford really know they're related to a six-foot-seven Lakota dumb bear? Well, I met many a love by the gaswork wall. And because of you, we missed the train back to London and ended up staying here in Salford. You all knew the rules. We never waited for no one. <laughs> I remember it well. Your insistence on showing us the best watering holes in Manchester and drinking them dry of whiskey meant we raced back over the Victoria Bridge, only to find the circus had already left town. Now, now, you always say, Black Elk, there is a reason for everything. Even this, this corona, you would say that's why the moon arrives at night and the sun rises in the morning to give us the day to live our lives. But this, this sickness that takes all... When the humans mess with the way of things, the earth and nature will hit back so hard that mountains will move, cities shake, and they, whom causes the skies to go dark and the ice to melt, will fall like those toy soldiers I used to carve for you, surrounded by the enemy, when you was only a small dumb bear. I always thought I would live forever. But then you got your cough. Then I got my cough. Everybody dies charging thunder. It just turned out my time came early. I passed away in this here teepee cold and the damp black smog killed my chest faster than any soldier's rifle could ever do but before i closed my eyes i smelt the spring on the sulfur wind of this dirty old town we hear the sound of ambulance sirens there goes another sulfur soul they took away your body before we even knew you had died and placed you in hope hospital mortuary not for long though we had a plan i vanished they said like a spirit in the night no records exist of me ever being moved or buried. To this day, it remains a mystery. 
you will never know how it was to get your large, dumb, bare body out of that place. Oh, even dead men have feelings, Black Elk. Despite being a dumb bear, we did love you like a brother. You needed to have a proper burial and be one again with your people. So we took you back down to the river, dressed you in your finest clothes and wrapped you tightly in robes before burying you deep under much dirt and many rocks, along with your tomahawk. Then we set alight your teepee and the flames shot up over the river as the smoke drifted far as we danced in your memory on the banks of this Irwell in this dirty old town. Thank you, my brothers. And so three became two. Do I switch it off now? Hey, stay there, Dunbar. Oh. It was not long after we buried our young friend that you met Josephine, charging thunder, and your journey took, out of, took us out of Salford to another strange place in the north. Gorton, Thomas Street. I married Josephine, who was working as one of the American horse trainers when the circus returned shortly after. I also decided to change my name to something more English sounding to help me find some work. I became George Edward Williams. Surrounded by the enemy, puts his hands up. Uh, can I ask something? Yes. Even though I'm now dead, can I, can I still talk? I've nothing else to do here. I've watched all the good box sets. <sighs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> um, what tribe did that name come from? The Newton Heath tribe. Oh, never heard of them. Are they on Skype? No idea. Do they have horses? No. Just cigars, fine clothes and good whiskey. Why then? Well, it all began in a Salford pub called Ye Old Nelson. Pubs, remember those? As I walked through the door, I noticed three very well-dressed men arguing in the corner. Suddenly, they stopped and stared over at me. I was ready for trouble. Sometimes the dirty old town was not always so welcoming to our kind. And my knife was always tied to a sheaf under my trousers, just in case. How wrong could I have been? As they all came across, they offered to buy me a drink, more than one, it turned out, and insisted that I sit with them. They explained that they were owners of what was called a football club over in Manchester, in a place called Newton Heath. Before I entered, they'd all been trying to think of a nickname for the team. Upon seeing me... They all quickly agreed that it should be the Red Devils. And the men's names were George, Edward and William. Red Devils? Never heard of them. <laughs> but why Gorton? The Elephants. The Elephants? And you say I spend too much time smoking the Tunum Park. <laughs> I went to work at a circus called Bellevue. There, I took care of the Elephants. Or should I say, they took care of me. You got after by elephants. As the years rolled on, I had many illnesses as the weather tore holes in my chest. When the medicines didn't work anymore, only whiskey helped me to ease the pain. Many times I would fall asleep at work after drinking too much. And to protect me from any harm, the elephants would gather around and not let anyone or anything near me until I woke up and sobered up, like a safety cloak. It's a shame they're not around for the people of Salford today. The elephants all seem to be led by one called Nelly, who had my back 
as equally as any of the Lakota Sioux. Salford Sioux elephants. <laughs> I like it. Tell me once more the story of the snake. Again, ambulance sirens echo loud in the distance and all the Sioux and Buffalo Bill stop for a moment and listen. During the circus parade, I would wear my headdress and my beads and I'd, I'd carry a large snake around the ring. I hated that thing. And I always felt like it hated me and it was just biding its time. As ever, I would keep my knife close in the sheath on my leg. One time, the snake tightened its grip around my neck and I was convinced that it was trying to kill me. So, to the horror of the packed audience, I cut its head off. For this, I got in so much trouble. The circus boss said, why on earth did you do that? Do you know how much a snake costs? This annoyed me. I told him, you can always buy a new snake, but you cannot buy a new charging thunder. Mm -mm. He fired me. Hmm. You should have taken his scalp and his ears. Well, this was Gorton, surrounded by the enemy, not the little big horn. I had other jobs anyway. I worked as a doorman, a handyman. People even stood in lines outside my house to ask me for advice. For some reason, I became known as a wise man. If anyone had any problem, they would be told, go and ask the Indian. They were good people. And then you died also, my friend. And then I died. In the year of their Lord... 1929, at the age of 52, I caught pneumonia and the black smog beat me down. I left three children born under English skies, Bessie, Gladys and George. I was buried in Gorton Cemetery, a Christian ceremony. <coughs> I'm hearing I have many new neighbours there now. No, oh, it wasn't right that you weren't given a proper Sioux funeral like you both did for me. No, but by that time I had two tribes. I left the world a man with two homes and at peace. And you, Black Elk, what became of you? I made the decision to make my own way home. And I joined another Wild West show in Europe tour in Germany, France and Italy. In 1889, I met once more with Biffle Bill in Paris. Do you remember? Oh, oh, you remembered I'm still here. <laughs> Yes, I do remember. It was good to see you again. You brought me a ticket home, and I returned to the Pine Reservation in Dakota. There, I fought in the Wounded Knee Massacre. On horseback, I charged the soldiers once more who were killing my people. I helped to rescue many and suffered a bullet in the hip. Later, in the 30s, I organised Wild West shows of my own to be held in our sacred Black Hills. But, unlike Cody's, mine were about our culture, our rituals, and our traditions. This, I dedicated my life to. I died on the 19th of August, 1950, content and peaceful. They all go quiet for a moment. What became of you, Buffalo Bill? After our farewells... After you left us behind, you mean. <laughs> Whatever. After we split up, I had further triumphs. We put on more shows for kings and queens, even the Pope. Then I suffered. 
we suffered a terrible tragedy when a train crashed, killing over 100 of our horses. This was the beginning of the end of our, for our show, for the heart went missing after that. I died on January the 10th, 1917, the day before I was baptised into the Catholic Church. Upon news of my death, tributes were made by King George V, Kaiser Wilhelm II and President Woodrow Wilson. They buried me on Lookout Mountain in Golden, Colorado, west of the Denver, on the edge of the Rocky Mountains, overlooking the Great Plains. I had the most wonderful view. Despite what you three may think, I always respected the Native Americans, the true Americans, our former foe and now I hope present friend. To end, I have to say this, that every Indian outbreak I have ever known has resulted from broken promises and broken treaties by the US government. We came to you, not you to us. I can only say sorry. Peace, my friend. Peace. Peace, Buffalo Bill. It was fun while it lasted. Thank you all. Please excuse if this legend of the frontiers gets a quiet here. Now we're all together here in the spirit world, yeah? They can make a big sharp axe with its shining steel tempered in the fire. They can try and chop us down like an old tree, but here we are, still standing. Their Salford Sooth. We came and we fell in love. Neath dark northern skies. I dreamed the dream by the old canal. When was the last time you shaved, Sandra, by the enemy? You look like a Cheyenne. Hey, uncalled for that. When I was alive, I suppose. Go on then. I'll tell you your favourite story to end surrounded by the enemy. I know that you're aching too. He always has one last story. Ah, well, if you insist. We three were sat enjoying our whiskey in the Bull's Head pub when a stranger approached our table, his face reddened by the booze, smiling wide, a crazy manic grin. Tell me, he asked, what part of the wild frontier are you savages from? I looked at my two friends here, smiled and replied, Salford, mate, I'm proud of it. The ambulance sirens sound closer. Everybody stay in. Do you hear me? Yes. Yes. Is it time to switch off yet? Maybe we could just talk a little bit more. Yeah, I'd like that. Very well. Uh, I hope that it isn't a uh, Chanupa pipe I can see surround you by the enemy. <laughs> uh, no, it's um, it's my my uh, tomahawk. <laughs> what what tent is it you're in, Bill? They all laugh. <laughs> Back to 2007, as Billy and Tommy are finishing work on the site for the day. Billy takes out the tomahawk and throws it back down the hole where they originally found it. What are you doing, mate? You love that kind of stuff. Just. Doesn't feel right, Tommy. What do you mean? Doesn't belong to us. <laughs> it never stopped you before. I know, but this is different. In what way? I can't explain. Just that something tells me whoever owned it, this once upon a time in Salford, was a little like you and me. A dumb bear, you mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, something like that. Come on, mate. Let's go get a pint. World Premier Plays, exclusive to the Pod Play.